0: Today, I'm talking to Jack Floyd. He's partner to Michelle Floyd with one Sotheby's International Realty and the number one team in Ponte Vedra, Florida. He's the son of a home builder and a real estate agent. He grew up doing everything in the business, from visiting construction sites with dad to preparing homes for showings with mom. He says, "But I wanted to do something different. I never thought I'd be in real estate. He wanted to be an attorney, even considered being a psychologist." He shares that he played hockey and thought at one point he might even have a chance to play professional hockey. Once he was out of school, it hit him. He says, I realized I know real estate like the back of my hand. I've been around it my entire life. After attending Florida State, Jack joined Chubb Development as the project manager of a nine-home private development in the Bahamas. He also opened and ran and sold a water sports business whose success thrived on hospitality. After selling his business, he merged his entrepreneurial success, his expertise in hospitality, and his advanced knowledge and expertise in real estate development, construction, and negotiation to launch his career as a luxury real estate agent. Today, Jack and I talk about how to cultivate experience and create opportunities. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. Powered by Breakthrough Luxury Coaching, this podcast was created for real estate agents across the world, coming together, sharing ideas that take their businesses to the next level. Breakthrough Luxury Coaching and Membership provide luxury real estate agents tools and resources that win more business, increase volume and sales prices, and create results. To learn more, go to getstarted.breakthroughluxury.com. And now, for the show. All right, we are recording, and... Jack's hit the button to give approval but anyway this is top real estate agents to how they do it also known as the jerry metcalf podcast and jack floyd one set of these international royalty your top agent in pontevedra and jacksonville you guys do lots of multi-million dollar properties especially listings and i will say especially on the water on waterfront that's cliche but you actually do so jack thank you so much it's good to see you and good to have you on today
1: Good to see you. Good to finally meet you face to face.
0: So as we get going, I know this is the, we've talked on the phone a lot about business and that's how we met. So we decided to join on a call and have everybody listen. We can learn from you today. So that being said, tell us a little bit about, I'm going to go ahead and disclose in your business, you are partners with Michelle Floyd, another same last name. Right. Another top agent in your market who happens to be your mom. Correct. So that might have something to do with how you got in it, but what if it does It give us the story, like how and why did so, you get into a real estate so, agent? Uh,
1: so, uh, I actually got her in the business. Um, no, I'm kidding. So, um, I, that was a major influence on why, um, earlier when I was younger, um, I never thought I would get into real estate. Um, I wanted to be at one point an attorney at one point I wanted to be a psychologist. Um, that's what I went to school for. Um, I, uh, I played hockey. Um, and I thought at one point, maybe I could have the chance to play professional hockey. Um, that didn't pan out, but I am, my dad was a residential builder all my life. And so I was, and my my mom has always been a real estate agent.
0: So that's why you knew you were never going to get into this business
1: it's kind of that one thing if you're always around it you want to do something different yeah and then it kind of hit me you know at some point in my life hey you know this like the back of your hand you've been around it your whole life you know give it a try but leading into that um, my dad was a residential builder I would always be around the construction sites with him learning things just kind of like a sponge soaking all that in um when I was little I would you know the school bus would drop me off at my mom's office and so I would do my homework from her office I'd hear her on the phone um negotiating talking
0: yeah
1: all the terms in real estate and kind of just um you know soaking it all in and um I didn't realize it but I had learned so much yeah knowing just subconsciously and so years later fast forward um I went to Florida State. And after that, um, my dad moved into the development business. And so he and uh, his partner, Don Combs, who owns CNH Lures here in Jacksonville, they partnered up and they, um, we'd been vacationing in the Abaco Bahamas for a long time. And I always loved this one piece of property. And I said, man, that would be cool to have a house on one day. Pipe dreams kind of thing, um, vacationing there. And somehow my dad manipulated it to where he said what's that one piece you were always talking about fast forward a little bit he started a development down there a nine home project um single family homes right on the water with docks. and i got a call one day and said hey jack would you want to go run this project i can't be there full time we need somebody we can trust yeah i said I don't know the bahamas sounds terrible i don't like fishing i don't like boating um you know so um i hate goombay smashes and so uh i'm
0: assuming you're being sarcastic and listening i'm smiling and laughing but go ahead
1: (laughs) extremely but um love it so they needed somebody they could trust and they knew that i had the knowledge from my you know past to go over there and do it and um So I kind of started off with the development side of things, construction, overseeing that project. Um, It taking a lot, lot longer, as you can imagine, doing nine homes in the Bahamas, um, supplies to getting people to work and things like that, it just took light years longer than what any of us were used to over here in Florida and America. Um, After that was finished, I opened up, well, why that was finishing, I opened up a dive kind of charter business where I would take people out lobstering, conking, tour guide. Um, my hair was longer at the time, kind of blonde. Um, I wore a similar swimsuit to Captain Ron. It, you know, there wasn't left, much left of the imagination as far as fabric. Um, and so it, that was kind of a fun time. That ended, we finished the project and I came back and for a short period I worked with um
0: how long did that project take?
1: Oh gosh. Probably six or seven years about.
0: Okay. Probably so you seven years in the Bahamas doing a nine home project.
1: Actually, probably pushing eight years. Um, and then I stayed for a few more doing that kind of dive charter deal. Wow. Um, I was over there for about 10 years.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. So then you're talking about you come back and Mm -hmm.
1: so I came back and I worked um, briefly at dream finders homes, which is a big builder here in Jacksonville. Um, And I worked as a site agent. So I would sit at a model home. Um, You know, you have to dress a certain way, act a certain way. And um, I had a great partner there. Um, He was fantastic. He was one of the top guys there at dream finders. Um, And You know he kind of uh he was a big help in getting into that kind of mentality of being a site agent and so
0: it sounds like for somebody who was into hockey and spent almost a decade in the bahamas that might have been like a living hell no offense train builders but it it was
1: (laughs) challenging no it was something that i never was going to do long term i think um I think it was something getting my foot in the door for something. Um, but yeah. it absolutely wasn't. It was a big shock to the system um, going from having all that freedom to going to a very corporate kind of structured environment. Um, you're
0: older now, like you're supposed to be getting somewhere in life now.
1: Yeah. So it was definitely a big shock. Um, we did very well. We sold out um, in our community in Nocatee, um, sold out in our community in, um, over in St. John's area. And then um, the time came where it was either going to be where I was going to take a draw because it was a brand new community and we had to wait on a few models to even start construction. What oh, year was this? Oh, gosh. Um, this was probably 2017-ish, okay. something like that. In
0: 2017, you're 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 working with Dream Builders on site and you were going to take a draw and So what happens?
1: And I kind of said, you know what, or I don't know, I don't remember who said what, it might have been Michelle, um, saying, hey, why don't (laughs) you jump in here? Yeah. Uh, I think what I saw was an opportunity, um, partnering up with my mom. And so I forget what led to it, but I said, let me take the leap and do general residential real estate. Um, I kind of, didn't know where to go. I didn't really want to be at the same place um, as my mom. Um, And so I kind of was going around to different places and I randomly got a phone call um, as I was kind of finishing up my day. And it was um, our broker now, Jeff Schiffon, and he called me with Sotheby's International and he said, Hey, I heard through the pipeline, you're driving around to different offices. He goes, meet me at Pusser's Grill, which is an island grill here. He goes, meet me for a beer and some shrimp and let's talk. So I was like, I'm on my way to the gym. And he goes, you know, the gym's for losers. Come meet me. So I uh, went and met him and I was just blown away with what he was saying. And it felt like I'd known him from, for years. And so I said, well, I know Sotheby's International. It's a, I mean, you can't get any better. So um, I kind of jumped on board with that.
0: Yeah. so you like everything you didn't want to do, you did, but luckily, the things you didn't want to do weren't bad options right even the dream builders thing was a great opportunity, but and- you
1: know it taught me a lot it taught me a lot about that side of it it taught me um I don't think any type of experience is a bad experience I think you build off everything, even if at the time you think it's a bad experience, which mm-hmm. I thought some were with that um, you build and it builds your character and it makes you um know it's like a lego set you kind of keep building onto it and it makes you more knowledgeable and you just i mean i guess that's how you grow so yeah yeah
0: so so now you join sotheby's even though you weren't going to because your mom was there (laughs) but michelle by the way everybody you're also your business partner now but when you decided to join at what point how did that evolve? What was that like? Where were you? Did you join with your mom? What did your career do? No. Give us the story.
1: So, when I first came on, my mom was still. Um, she was at, she was at a different real estate office, and. Um, right, and so,
0: let me. I don't want to interrupt you, but I want to make sure we know the story. So, you were both in Sotheby's, but different offices of.
1: No, no, so she was with a totally different company.
0: Oh, I was thinking she was with Sotheby's. Oh. So nope. why weren't you interviewing Sotheby's yet? I thought you weren't interviewing them because your mom was there.
1: No, no, no. I just um I don't know. I'd always held Sotheby's to such a high standard and just coming kind of this younger whatever coming into it, I just was like, Oh, they're not gonna, I'm not gonna walk it. They're gonna be like Oh, but
0: look at your background, absolutely.
1: Right. And I don't like yeah. to use that and I don't like to say, well, this is where I'm coming from and this and that, but um and I probably would have. I just think I had been around to offices I mean, it literally was one day of driving around. So I think it had just like maybe the next day I would have went into Sotheby's. Um, but I think Jeff caught me first and was like, Hey, awesome. You're driving around. You're coming over yeah. here.
0: Okay. So, so you're at, you're at Sotheby's your mom's an agent at other brokers now. So now you're at Sotheby's international realty. Now I really, now that I understand now, I really can't wait to see what happens.
1: So, Uh, I get to Sotheby's. My mom's at a totally different brokerage, totally different company. Um, Get here and immediately it feels great. I love the um, the family closeness. Um, I can go to them about anything. The the absolute um, one thing about me is I have a very um, kind of I try and be the best I can be at anything I do. I always try and be the most professional I can be. I always want to dress the part, act the part, um, give the best service. If it's, you know, taking people lobstering or, you know, welcoming people to a new home they just bought at that building company. And I thought Sotheby's really fit my personality. And from there, it just kind of blossomed into um, the first... um, customer I got when I came to Sotheby's was actually of all people, she came from a very prominent, I don't want to say the name of the company or her, but um an older lady that came from a very prominent um, we'll just say a rum company. And she was looking for a house and it was a referral. And I got paired up with her and made um a few deals with her. And so right off the bat I said, wow, this is great. You know, you're getting these high-end clients and things like that. And so the ball just kind of rolled from there.
0: Wow. And I love what you just said is when you do anything and you want to be the best at it. I mean, hockey, like hockey is that sport where these people are crazy. I've never played hockey personally. I guess heard, I've heard it's like it is a sport that you've got to just be relentless to play it.
1: Yeah, it's fast-paced, and you've got to think real quick. And um,
0: and you can really get hurt. Like, it makes football look like it's for pansies, from what I've been told.
1: Uh, totally different, but, I mean, you definitely can get hurt. I mean, you have to uh, – I always said to myself, I want to do the hurting instead of getting hurt.
0: Oh, I like it. <laughs> uh,
1: so even when I played in um, some of the younger leagues, when I was, like, 16, I'd play with the, like uh, – I forget the age limit, but it was the – when I was 16 I played with the men's league and they were you know 25 35 year old guys and so my coach told me first thing he said listen they're going to try and you're this young kid or whatever you're smaller than them they're going to try and push you around he goes I want you not even to go out there the first play I want you to go out there and check somebody as hard as you can and I said what he goes trust me and so that kind of said a thing and so um uh, like
0: you got to establish your standing out it in the high, right. I
1: mean, because I,
0: mean, I think it's primal. It's like it's like it's primal behavior. I right? hate to say, but go ahead.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm not the smallest guy, but I mean, it was you know when you're 16, you're obviously not as as big as you need to
0: make an impression.
1: Men, yeah. So that was kind of funny.
0: Now think about that in real estate. You go out on the hockey field. You got to go stand for who you are. Make your impression. Now, you clearly did the same thing, you went to the Bahamas, even though you had a running development, you created your own business, then you come back here, you do a job that's not nearly as much fun, but you go and you do a great job. And then you evolve and you say, Okay, time for real estate. Now, when you stepped into real estate, the way you tell it, you know, it was like the fairy godmother waved her magic wand, and it just happened. And I'd venture to say it might not have been that easy. What did it feel like coming in and how did you know, how did you transform that first client? I mean, or or like what were the challenges and what was easy about it?
1: You know, the challenges were, and, and I see so many people getting into real estate coming from a different profession and they've been at a different profession for five, 10, 15 years. And, or some people just thinking they're going to get into real estate. Oh, it's easy. I'm going to get my license. I've got friends that, you know, I can sell their houses and, um, all I have to do is meet people at a house and flip the lights on. It's probably, and I've, I haven't tried to turn some friends away that said they were thinking about getting in it, but I just tried to warn them. It's such a difficult business to get started in and to maintain. I'm blessed with the fact that I was born and raised here in Ponte Vedra. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm blessed that I also have, um, My mom, who I've now partnered up with, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, But I I think it's one of the harder businesses to be successful at and to be successful for a period of time at Um, just because of you're really coming in. If let's just say I had no background in building, I had no history here. I just moved to Ponte a year ago. I used to be a school teacher or did something totally different hopping into it. It's so difficult to get into the finding clients, finding customers. I mean, really, it's a it's one of the more difficult businesses as I've grown and I'm now 38 years old that I've ever been around and seen or heard about people getting into. It really is a difficult business to get that first couple of years under your belt.
0: It's so true. And because um, I was the one who did that, except that was 20. 20- six I don't know how old I was I was young I thought I was old but I was not but to your point it's it's there's this perception that we just become between somebody in a transaction as agents and that's so far from the truth but coming into it I love how you like came in and owned it even though you've got the you had the experience and you could have just said okay mom but you didn't what um there's, there's two kind of, there's a twofold here, and I, I'm really curious here. First, just about how did you really build? You got the one client, everybody, you got a lot of one-hit wonders, but that wasn't your case. From the first client, how did you really secure it? And sometimes it just does evolve and happen, and it works out. But then there's also, how did you build on that?
1: I think the best way and the easiest way for me to answer that would be the way that I treated people and the way that they felt when they were around me. um, One thing I pride myself on is being as real as possible. Um, At the end of the transaction, I want to be your friend. I want us to go get dinner together. I want you you to tell me how the renovation's going. I, I want to be your friend at the end of the transaction. And I try and be as honest and I just try and, and it sounds really silly because this is something I think we all learn in elementary school, but you treat everybody how you want to be treated. And it's such a simple thing, but it can be so complex as if you're in the position and you don't know where these people are coming from in their life or what's going on, buying a home is probably one of the biggest purchases someone can make. And you don't know if they have 10 house experience you know buying 10 houses or if this is their first house so i always just try and be the realest i can be and so i guess i built my business off of being just down to earth and as honest as possible and um as professional as possible um and i think people notice that and as you always hear in real estate referrals are king and so people put that word out and um and it kind of built off just me being um, not fake. I know there's a lot of, and you know, I don't you know want to call any other realtors out there, but there's a lot of people that put on an act when they get into the office or meet clients and things. And I just want to, you know, at the end of the day, help them and be a friend to them in this transaction.
0: Well, it's, it reminds me of Horst Schultz who, who wrote, you know, he was, I don't know if he was the founder. I need to find out if it's Carlton. People say he was, but I think he was actually the director of operations or the C-suite executive operations guy, COO, but he says the common denominator of luxury is caring, like true luxury. And And I've stayed at a luxury hotel recently and I was like, this is like a really nice place, but there's something about it where even though ritz-carlton's been bought out and all that it doesn't align to that experience that whatever they put in place Mm -hmm. that ensures every person there cares and you feel it
1: and that makes a difference i mean it does you know some people you know there's always an exception to that rule but i think it i think that truly does make a difference
0: what was your and then i'm going to bring your mom into this
1: okay
0: are you if there's a place where you see that you want to bring it into the story but but i want to know this what, like, is there a moment in this business where you're like, man, this is harder than I thought. And in that moment and in that story, what did you learn? Like, what's a lesson? What's been an aha? It kind of, a. I feel like this business transforms people. Being in this business looks beautiful and it is, but you get in it and you've either got to get real with yourself and life and people or you're not going to make it. And that's what it did for me. But in that, that's where that authenticity creates results, impact relationships and a business. But what I, were your terms? I
1: heard? think the aha, the kind of change, the thing that I had to get used to the building of myself was um, the first thing that comes to mind is in this business, people's true colors come out mm-hmm. and it really shows the, the loyalty of some people, the the disloyalty of some people. Um, but true, true colors come out during the real estate transaction. Either someone's going to show you they're a really good person. They're kind, they understand the process, they trust you. That's another thing I'd like to get into is some sellers and buyers have zero trust in a professional, especially if you have the numbers that show it, the the history that shows it, they still think, you know, they're, you know they'd probably tell a brain surgeon how to do the operation before they went under. Um but the biggest aha was the true colors that comes out and the fact that I um early on I would take things personal. So when something would happen, I would take things personal. Like um if somebody were to I would go interview for a listing and I wouldn't get it and I'd say well listen my numbers are better my marketing's better my products better. I mean look at the professional, um, connections that Sotheby's offers. I mean, I've been, I've lived here for 38 years of my life. Like I wonder why I didn't. And I really would take things kind of personal. And over the couple of years I've grown to know it's business. Don't take things personal. And that's another thing my mom's been great at is she just, sometimes I will get so upset in the office and I'll say, well, what's this and why this? And I'll go on and I'll be harping on it for a couple hours and she'll <laughs> have moved on she'll have done something she'll be eating her sandwich or something like that and i go well, aren't it doesn't this bug you like like i mean i want to email this person she goes she just it just does it rolls off her back how so, does she
0: do that we're gonna get her on she's gonna tell us her secret because uh, it's we'll not it's not easy. Yeah.
1: but um but no i mean i guess because somebody's been in it she goes jack i've been through the trenches and i've done this and so. Um, she's been a big help trying to get me to understand that things shouldn't be taken personal. People can be as nasty as they're going to be in this business, or they can be nice. And I've had the best sellers, and I've had the worst. And, yeah. you know, you go through, you go through times when you've got some really tough, stuff, and then you go through times where you're like, this transaction is how it should be, and it's been smooth. Yeah. You trusted me. We got a great number for you etc and so you know i wish i had more of those than the negative ones but
0: i understand i mean I, that's been like I, i've not been selling for a year and i'll tell you it's been nice but i love selling too because it, it i remember going through things and being like i would never put myself through this but if it weren't for this experience in the big picture i'd never be as happy as i am because of it because I've a lot to learn about myself, other you know, people, but, yeah.
1: And those negative experiences, um, you know, a transaction doesn't need to be, and a transaction can be difficult for a multitude of reasons. Um, a lot of the times, it's the other agent, and I'd like to tell the other agent, "Hey, take a seat back. I'll call you when we're closed, and I'll tell you." <laughs> you <to pick> <laughs>
0: <don't> know.
1: Right. <laughs> Or difficult or sometimes it's the buyer sometimes it's the seller um so it all kind of depends but uh, yeah
0: so what how do you now you know for me i had to read never split the difference eight times and probably put it in practice that's literally how i did it because it gave me the tools to listen and stop i was living on the assumption that it was about me and there was something i could actually do to like take on the burden of other people because of that caring so much, Mm -hmm. but caring also is like sympathy and and empathy aren't the same. But in your business, is there like, is there a tool or is there anything? and, And I'll get off of this, but I love this topic. But is there a tool or anything like, or that you've been able to put in place? Because it is, it is, it is. I don't think I've ever met an agent that you can't stop caring to be a good agent, right? You can't you cannot care and become a transactional agent and you become a commodity or you care but you learn and you create tools and ways and perspectives to navigate and continue to bring that value and continue to care
1: it's a bad situation when you have a transaction where you're your one your few thoughts are just getting to the to the closing table and picking up your check when it gets to that point that would, that's what I would call a bad transaction is when you're totally, you know, it's been such a difficult process. You're just like, okay, I just want to be sitting down at the title company and, you know, let's get this over with. And that's happened very few times, but, um, like I mentioned earlier, people's true colors come out. And, um, as Michelle says, People just kind of get loony sometimes. Like, it, yeah.
0: it, it, I love it. She just it's not about me, right? Yeah. Remember, they're people.
1: You know, at the beginning, you're at the listing presentation, and you're doing it. Um, you're talking to them. They seem nice, great. Uh, every now and then, um, I've got a psychology background, so I wouldn't say it helps in this business, but I, I am able to diagnose, kind of diagnose and read a little bit. And there's a listing that we just took on recently that she and I were both kind of like, uh, eh, you know, kind of on the fence, listening to your gut kind of thing. We right. took it, probably shouldn't have taken it. Um, so we're going through that now, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, the good ones outweigh the bad ones. And it's always just okay. like, earlier when you, when you're so happy when you get to the finish line and then they call you, um, a week later and say, are we still going for that steak or whatnot? And, um, so that's really the nice part of it, but
0: yeah. yeah, okay. So you've got quite the background to come into this business and it's clear why you're successful. A lot of people though come into this business and they should be successful and they're not. If you could narrow it down to one thing, what is, what is it that's created your success you think over? Because I've seen lots of people you, you get people, the the people who are the least like you are the most successful, the most likely least, or in some way, it's everywhere. It's like you can't predict it. What if is it your? Was,
1: if it was one thing, I think it would. And I like, it sounds silly talking about yourself, but I think if it was had to be one thing, which I don't believe it is, it's a multitude of things. But if it had to be one thing, I believe it'd be my personality. Um, I'm extremely easygoing but I'm extremely knowledgeable and I'm extremely competitive. Um, I've always wanted to be the best, but I also am extremely laid back. I know when to kind of jump into the fire and I know when to kind of take it easy. Um, I know how to calm people down. If you get an inspection report that looks crazy, I, I can calm you down. So I think it would be my personality is what's kind of carried me over to that next step.
0: It sounds like knowing kind of like the serenity prayer, you know, the thing, you know what you can make a difference. I don't know. I can't remember the prayer exactly right now, but you know what you can affect, you know what you can't and you have the, you, you know, the difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, your strong suits and whatnot, but Mm it might be my personality. Um, The other things that really kind of, I think have um, been an attribute is my, I'm extremely attention to detail And I, I want everything to be perfect and I want everyone to be happy. Um, I really, I think if everyone's kept happy through a transaction and when you see someone getting a little on the fence and you can see them getting a little worried, it's good to take a step back and just make them be at ease. And so, um, even when I was little in elementary, middle, high school, I always wanted everyone just to be happy. So I would, um, I guess you'd consider me the class clown back then is how you'd label that. But it was because I wanted people to be laughing and even the teachers would laugh and I'd make them happy. And, um, you know, it wasn't the time and the place at a lot of things. And um, I think in elementary school, it was where I wanted to make people happy. And so it got to a point where I had a desk in the principal's office. But the principal, (laughs) all the office administrators loved me. The principal loved me. Um they got me for Christmas my own coffee cup for the principal's office.
0: Oh my God, that's awesome.
1: Actually went to breakfast with the principal and would hang out there. And so it was like they didn't think I was a bad kid and I wouldn't get in trouble. They just it was too disruptive. So they're like, here. (laughs) So that's
0: called a charmer. uh, Like did they get sent to the principal's office? It's like you got the principal actually looked forward to you getting sent to the principal's office, is what I'm hearing. I mean I mean that's a gift.
1: I don't know, but I just, I, I like everyone to be happy and real estate doesn't need to be this, you know, and it, it is cutthroat a lot of times and it's, you know, but it doesn't have to be a, um, it doesn't have to be a bad process. It, it doesn't have to be a stressful process. We're not reinventing the wheel. I mean, every transaction's a little different, but it's also a little bit the same. And so when you have other agents and People that kind of, I'm trying to choose my words wisely.
0: Yeah.
1: You're to the point of where they're not helping their buyers or sellers anymore. They're causing more trouble than needs to be.
0: Well, and sometimes it's to prove their value, which is really. And
1: that's one of them. And they think they're proving their value and I get it. But in the long run, you know, don't walk into the house. And the first thing you start saying is negative things about it. Yeah. And, you know, they might. Um, now. Love it, you know.
0: They might love it. There's, le- There's a lesson. How many homes have you? And not to, this isn't beat up on Realtor Day, but I think it's a it's mm-hmm. it's like it goes back to self awareness. Mm-hmm. How many times I think agents are like, okay, I'm going to make, and I've seen seasoned and unseasoned agents do it. I'm making a lot of money, so I've got to like impose myself on this rather than mm-hmm. be present for what people need and and judge homes when you're not buying. I mean, that sounds again, but I think it's really important. To understand when people buy a home it's personal there's a home for everybody there's make sure shoe. you're representing them
1: there's a, not shoe feeling a good about, about what about
0: you do it. just to feel good about not yeah. Yeah. go yeah. ahead yeah
1: there's a shoe for every foot everybody's different everybody likes the thing so one couple might walk into the house and say i hate these cappuccino cabinets the next couple later that day might walk in and go these are the exact cabinets we're looking for but what the agent doesn't need to do is first thing start saying negative things about the home let, mm-hmm. the buyers, let, the, let the buyers decide that you know I mean you don't there's you know to- how many agents
0: lose their job because they they don't like the houses the buyers like when what they like doesn't matter but go ahead
1: I, I've seen some agents so important. Houses for their clients but um you know it's 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 let them decide and kind of
0: yeah. I, yeah. So we got to, we got to bring Michelle into this partner and mom, but I want to repeat what we've talked about. we talked about coming in this business. It's about bringing you. It's funny how people don't want the fake you. They want the real you and showing up as that person. And when you do things, you do things in excellence. You create experiences for people and you keep it simple. It's the focus is on the positive, the joy. Just like even though you were getting called to the principal's office, they, like that is the greatest example. The guy that can get in trouble in in school and, and was it elementary or like what grade? What grade? Elementary.
1: Elementary. I was a good. I was good in middle. I was good in high school. Yeah. It got a
0: little more serious then, right? But in elementary school, the kid who gets called to the principal's office, you get your own desk and a gift for misbehaving. I mean, that is like. There's something to be said for that. Okay, so you're an agent, you get momentum. Like, what happens and where does Michelle come in? Everybody, I keep saying this, but I don't want anybody to miss it. This is Jack's mom, who is also now his business partner, yeah,
1: Michelle Floyd. And so she's been the top, you know, super agent here in Pontevedra for the last 35 plus years. I mean, she's really been.
0: That was a lot of pressure.
1: I remember seeing. Oh. Um, on front on the front of newspapers when I was little a picture of her and they put like a superwoman cape on her and you know this in the business journal million dollar agent this time and and it's funny getting into her coming over um, to Sotheby's she used to have in her office she used to have behind her all these awards she's won like all these glass awards and trophies and And I mean, it was countless ones. And it was, I mean, very, very impressive. I mean, she's been the lady in Pontevedra forever. And when she finally, I called her, um, when she finally came over to Sotheby's, I said, where's all all your awards and things? She goes, oh, I threw those away. Like, I didn't have any place to put them. So she got rid of all these accomplishments and things that she says, oh, I don't care about that and this and that. And So she's always taught me from a, early age as well as you know not to be showy and to be appreciative. And so, you know, I just thought it was funny. I mean, I at least would have kept those in a closet somewhere. And she was just like, oh, I didn't have a closet. I needed to put something else in there. So she got rid of all these things. Well does
0: it doesn't take away what she's accomplished or who she is and she knows that.
1: Yeah. And she doesn't care. But um getting into her, so I was at Sotheby's for a few years before she came over and um Obviously some of the higher-ups at Sotheby's were saying, hey, we heard we heard about your mom, we know who she is. Any chance you could get her over here? I said, oh, I'll work on it, I'll try. A year went by, she said she was fine where she was. Um, and finally, I came at a different approach and I just said, mom, with the contacts you know, with the experience you have, let me show you what we offer as far as marketing, outreach, international relations, um, the quality of our materials. And so I showed it to her and she goes, she was blown away because it almost was like bringing her out of the dark ages of these kind of paperback brochures and um, Uh, marketing. I mean, you know, just an ad in the newspaper here locally every now and then. And I just showed her, you know, look at this. And so I said, it's a no brainer. And it took a little time, and she called me one day, and she said, "I think I'm ready." And so I said, "Okay, well, I mean, come on over." And so she made the jump, um, and we didn't work as a team for, I think the first year, and i I noticed it was difficult trying to cover ground as much as you know. It, it was better. I was trying to find some way to have a little bit more time and it was hard to be in two places at once and things like that. And so I forget the major reason, but I said, let me come up with the Floyd group. And she said, the Floyd group. And I said, yeah. And she said, who's part of it? I said, you and me, we're the Floyd group. She said, I thought a group needed to be like a big team of people. I said, no, it can be
0: more
1: than one people. Yeah. Um, me, I mean, for a while it was me and my other personality, um, but, but, uh, so I started the Floyd group and, um, kind of got our label and started advertising us as the Floyd group and, um,
0: well, remember you didn't want to be at the same brokerage with your mom. So some point in time, you changed your mind about that. And then at some point in time, not only did you decide you guys could be under the same roof or company or brokerage, but you, you led, you led it and you said, all right, let's be a team. How did in your business, what, what changed your mind? How did you resolve? How did you resonate with each way of thinking?
1: Yeah, I think it was people in my ear talking. Um, and I think it was kind of one of those things like. Well, enough people are suggesting it, um, why not try it? And I mean, I love my mom and we get along great. And I mean, believe me, we have our times as well. The office loves it too, when we're here together and we've got a deal going on and they love hearing us. They, they, when we leave, they, they're cracking up and they go, we love hearing you guys go at it.
0: That's awesome.
1: We'll go at it and we'll go back and forth and people will, it, it'll sound like a heated conversation. And then we're walking out and they go, Oh, where are you going? And we're, Oh, we're going to grab lunch. So it kind of, you know, just rolls off. But, um, I think it was a multitude of people talking and me kind of realizing if I took my kind of side of things and her side of things and kind of merged them, we could make something a lot bigger than what it was. Yeah. So I don't think growth is ever bad. Um, and so I think it was just seeing what I had and what she had, um, her experience, her knowledge, her, you know, she knows everybody here. I think she's she's probably sold most of the homes here in Bonavista at least once. Um, I know in Marsh Landing in the Harbor, she has probably sold every one of those at least twice. And so I said, let me take my connection, her connection, and and kind of merge this and see how... How large we can get. And um, it took a year or so. And then we had a pretty decent year. Um, and so it's been growing since. And I think that's kind of how it, you know, I just said, what well, could it hurt?
0: There's a lot of agents who think about partnerships, and most of the time they don't work. Um, and then there's working with a family member, whether it's a spouse, mom, son, sibling it it presents it i think there's a trust factor but it also still presents a lot of challenges so what was in partnerships in general what do you think is the biggest challenge and how do you make it work and then let's add the family factor to that or what or what what do you whatever you know and your it.
1: the biggest thing about partnerships um is personality difference um I've had different partners when I worked for the building company. Um, I think the biggest thing is personality difference and expectations. So for instance, I'm very, very thorough, very organized. I have, um, we keep hard copy files. I keep files in a software system and I also keep files, um, directly on my computer in a different system. So I've, got them all organized. If I need to find anything, I know where this is, where that is from years ago. Um, I'm very thorough and, um, Michelle for instance is a little old school where she's got her paper files. We've got a big file cabinet with everything, which is great. You got to keep those as well. Um, the technology side, you know, there's a difference there. I'm a little more tech savvy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I think it's a difference of personality But she, um, so I'm more tech savvy and kind of handle that area, but she's light years better at the negotiating, the um, client relations. I mean, she has some of those, I mean, she should teach, you know, every now and then we get calls on these different things and, you know, we're like, you're talking to the teacher here. She's, I mean, she's got that down to a science, so. I think it's personalities and I think it's, um, yeah.
0: So we said personalities and expectations. And personalities, I think it's how your strengths, by that you would mean like how your strengths and weaknesses in the business overlap and And, complement.
1: To touch back on that, um, the expectations. When, When people form teams and we had thoughts of bringing more people on, to the team, I mean, that's never a bad thing. Well, it can be, and so we were going to kind of build the team and bring a few more people on. But my biggest hesitation was she and I obviously, it's my mom, so we know each other more than anybody. Yeah, but, um, bringing other people on, we would have expectations that we pride ourselves on as far as our white glove service, oh, yeah, our responsiveness. I mean, we it kills me when I can't return an email or a phone call if I'm with clients. Um, The first thing I do after a few hours, I mean, I text them, I can't talk to you, but bringing people on to the Floyd group was a concern because we didn't want the name to be attached to somebody that didn't hold up the same expectations that we did. Um, And so at some point, if it didn't out in the community, it would reflect back to us with that label attached to them. So I think that's also the biggest concern, building a group or a team is managing all those um, different personalities and, hey, we got a call that you didn't return this email, or this person said they couldn't get in touch with you for two days, or like, are you checking your voicemails? So that's kind of something we thought about, and we just said, we handle our business just fine, let's keep it the two of us, and it's, it's run pretty smoothly.
0: Yeah, because when you say expectations, I always think about the expectations of what it's going to be like to work together. But it's also the expectations of your clients fulfilling because that's like, what are we? We're all here for the client. We're here for the clients.
1: And it's and it's that's it. You're trying to make the client happy. And, you know, you don't want to have a team, that, team. You
0: are making the client happy. We already heard your story about elementary school. and <laughs> So we're making the client happy. I couldn't help myself. But making the client happy. Go on. Go. You were telling us
1: but we wouldn't want to get a call from the client and say, Hey, you guys left these couple lights on or um, the back door was left unlocked or something like that, or something to where, then you have to go to your team member and go, Hey, make sure you double check this or you left the chandelier on and it's, you know, 35 feet up. And now they've got to get somebody in there to change the light bulb. And like, so it's, it's having to go back and just, just um, you know, having having to be accountable and things so like that
0: va- the value of your reputation and your, and this is not to beat up on teams, but it's something to be considered when you build the kind of reputation, you have the kind of clients, the value, number one, of your, the damage it does to your reputation. What is the cost of that? Number two, the, co- the time it costs you to correct the problem, which yes, problems create opportunities, but it's still a problem in time and our time, you know, as you become an, a successful agent, I think it's interesting and it's important to touch on is we've got people coming into the industry in a younger generation that what it took to get where you are now and what it costs to not understand that and the value to even, for lack of a better word, I'm just going to say associate, but align with be around a top producer who has earned it and see, get a fast forward up up close look at that. Everybody out there who's there, Oh, It's always, I I made the biggest mistake of not valuing that myself and growing my team. And then making sure you understand as a younger, newer, you don't even have to be a newer agent that what that is and what it means to be a part of that. What do you do to, I think, empower the industry at large in our businesses?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure, but, you know, some of the new, I mean, touching on it a little bit, there's since I've been in it, I've seen some new agents and I mean some people would say I'm a new agent but um I've been around it my entire life and nothing nothing that I've experienced is new um I've seen some new agents come in and there's a couple people um um that are a couple years in and and they've got it they've got the um like I want to say Shelby because she's so great um she's got the personality, the drive, um, the, the marketing. I mean, she's really, she's going to do very well. Um, but I just think it's tough business. Like you were saying, I mean, some people just don't realize that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just cause it looks pretty on TV doesn't mean.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing that kind of kills us is you've got these selling sunset and everything like that. I would, I've joked about it, but I would love for there to be a show um, is really? which is our zip code here selling 32082 and let them see the real side of real estate. I would love to show them that.
0: All right. So fi- we got to do the final three. Okay. First of the final three, if you could narrow it down to one resource that has been the reason for your success, what is it?
1: The one resource, the reason for my success.
0: You're the reason, but the resource that reinforced
1: it. I would say Sotheby's International. Mm. I think I would say Sotheby's if it had to be a resource. And um, I've gotten my largest deal because I was an agent with Sotheby's International. My largest oceanfront deal, the people literally walked in and they said, when we knew it was time to sell our oceanfront brand new construction here in Bonnevita Beach on the ocean, we knew we wanted to go with an agent at Sotheby's, um, and yeah, and that's wow.
0: There's an that, well, an agent at Sotheby's, but you were the agent at Sotheby's.
1: I, 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 for whatever reason, I was lucky enough to to get a hold of them. Yeah.
0: So you called them?
1: Uh, no, they they walked in and got me. They walked in and got me, and um.
0: I was at an open house. Or what do you no, mean At the office?
1: They walked into my office. Oh, they wow. Said, Can you help us? And I said, sure. And, oh, you that's know, and I'm still friends with them. I actually just talked to her um, on uh, Facebook a few days ago. And we're, uh, we're going to go get chicken wings at a local uh, sports bar here in a couple of days.
0: So you might win the business now, but you develop the relationship. And that's, that keeps it going. That's and when you serve the business, know you what you're doing.
1: But I would say that's the resource. I would say Sotheby's International.
0: Number two, if there's a book that you've read that's impacted your life or career and we've just got to read it or it's a must read, what would it be?
1: Oh, boy. So I'm not a big book reader. Um, There's a couple that I've had on my list that I've been trying to get. Um, I'd probably have to turn that question over to michelle but um i'm not a giant book reader Um, what is
0: a practice that has most influenced your career that you've learned
1: a practice that i do
0: or an inspiration what's most inspired you or who
1: um i would say my mom as 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 you know gushy or what that might be but i'd say the inspiration would be my mom i mean if i was i've talked about me being honest you know my personal it would be my mom.
0: (laughs) What a great person to align with. Talk talk about mentorship. I mean,
1: it sounds kind of cliche, but I mean, there's more reasons than I can say why. So yeah, that would would be, be,
0: what what are the top three or just the one reason why she's been the biggest inspiration? um, Seeing
1: seeing how hard she works. um, Seeing the, the attitude she puts towards business, um, seeing the drive she has. I think the um, it's amazing she can be a different person in a business atmosphere and the mom, so I think the drive uh,
0: what when you look at you know the, there's drive and then there's a lot of people who drive there's what you do and what you don't do. what is the in your business and having her of course she's been a great example i'm adding I love to add to the final three I've been doing this a lot lately <laughs> I'm but. Okay. What do you, what are the most powerful things that you do? What are your most powerful habits or even processes or practices that you have in place that create your success?
1: Uh, Staying organized is a big one. Staying organized is a really large one because that trickles down to having things organized is going to have your mind organized, Mm -hmm. um, your time organized. You're not looking for things. you're able to schedule things appropriately. Um, Liberating. Um, yeah, if your files are a mess, if your work's a mess, it's going to transfer over into your personal life being a mess. And I think just being organized and not to not to a degree of like an OCD kind of organization, but a, um, it, I think it transfers over to your personal life and everything. So I would just say being organized, yeah.
0: Wow. So... You know, it's like habits create freedom, you know? They
1: do. I mean, if you, and it's silly too. I always, um, I'll send us, um, Michelle and I, I'll send a, an email. It's simply titled to do just a yeah. list for that day. I might think of it at one in the morning when I get up to go to the bathroom or um, when I'm leaving a restaurant, I'll just write it down real quick you know how thoughts come to you and then you're like, oh, I'll remember that when I wake up. Well, I get them now and I email us a just a to-do list. So I do a simple, silly to-do list and before the day's over, that needs to be checked off and you always are adding to that during the day. But I always say those things on that to-do list that were originally on there, make sure you knock those out first. Wow.
0: Oh yeah. Well, and the other thing I love what, what love about what you just said is hang on one second guys yeah. okay mm-hmm. i'm back now but due to do tomorrow i had to handle something everybody but anyway we're back and we're we're closing out i apologize i love that real estate agents listen to this because we all get it but the the other thing is plan tomorrow today let me play yeah plan tomorrow today tomorrow starts today
1: right staying one day ahead mm-hmm.
0: so, and be organized organizes is organ, being organized is free okay
1: Especially in this business i mean in this business you need to be organized and i see it so many times where i mean i'll get calls from agents and they'll say i need to see this house and i'll say well i'd love to show it to you but that's not my listing <laughs> you know like you know at least get you know at least get that right but yeah uh, yeah so
0: Organization is everything. Sometimes it's like this, this takes so long to get organized, but the freedom it gives you and the efficiency it gives you and the time it saves in the big picture, I think it's just insurmountable.
1: It does. And it, it will make your life easier. You know, and that's one thing, I mean, back to me being a little kid, my dad would always say, if you put something, if you take something out of the drawer, put it back in that drawer, then, then, Guess what? Yeah. You're gonna know where it's at the next time. So exactly.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. I'm gonna add a question, then we're gonna add the last. It'll give it'll put us in here for about <laughs> five or seven so more minutes. Are you okay for five more minutes? Absolutely. Okay. So when you look at your business, you know, we haven't touched on what really when developing relationships wins you listings, but when you win listings, I'm sure you go on listing appointments, but is it always that way? or how do you build your listing portfolio? How do you win your listings? Is it usually an appointment or is it some other avenue?
1: As far as you know, going to the appointment and how, how I end up. Like before, you before,
0: know, like sometimes when I won listings, it was, hey, we're ready to list our house. We know you're the person, can you do it? Or they might call me to come over. But I always had to remind myself, this may not be an interview. A lot of times they're just want to get the process going and don't unsell myself by, trying to like convince them to do something they were ready to do already
1: and that's that's a big thing as well so typically at least for me i can i can tell in their voice and it's if i already have had a relation with them if i know them if they know somebody i know and they were referred to me typically not all the time but typically that's when it's more or less hey let me tell them this is how the photos are gonna go. This is how this is gonna go. And I'm not gonna do my whole spiel. Um, if it's somebody that's randomly called me, hey, we got your postcard. Um, we are thinking about selling our house. We're interviewing a few people. Then yeah. go, hey, I'm gonna bring the whole shebang. I'm gonna bring the listing video. I'm gonna bring the, uh, the whole nine yards, you know? I'm gonna put on my good jacket for that day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well my right.
0: cause when we started this you said I love this you said it's about being the best. Make sure you dress the part, act the part, and serve for the part.
1: And one thing that um, my mom always taught me and she said you never want to um, you never want to be more dressed than the the buyer or the seller. Oh. You never want to show up and be a selling sunset um, you know, just head to toe and, you know, you're in a, you're in a $5,500 outfit or something. You always want to look nice. You always want to be presentable, but, you know, dress the part, but don't out, don't overdo it. You know, I mean, I feel like my dress code really. I'm sorry. I got a phone call. Oh,
0: That's all right.
1: Um, I feel like, uh, I feel like my personality comes through. I always, I consider it a business casual on most occasions. Um, you know, a pair of nice loafers, a nice pair of jeans and a, a, a jacket or something that was
0: yeah
1: fairly well put together, but, um, yeah, you, you want to dress the part, but not too much. Don't overdo it. You know, good advice. I also see it on the opposite side where, um, <clears throat> in my, um, my mom and I, we typically do, you know, ocean fronts, intercoastal fronts, and we typically do a higher end home. Not to say we don't do, um, you know, smaller, you know, two hundred thousand dollar condos that somebody has owned for, you know, a hundred years and they want to sell it finally. And but typically, you know, 95 percent of the time, it's going to be that upper two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine million kind of range.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I see a couple. Well, it was yesterday actually. The gentleman brought his buyers over, and this is a three point nine million dollar house, and uh, kind of showed up to something you'd kind of go to a ball game in. And this was the I this was,
0: all the time, right? Yeah. This
1: was the agent, and I'm in.
0: Oh wow! Okay.
1: This is the agent. The best is when the buyers come like that because I've experienced the buyers. If they look like that, they're the ones that actually have the money. Exactly. They show up in the shorts and a pair of Nikes, and a shirt that says, you know, Budweiser on it, nine times out of ten, they've got a jet.
0: Gosh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so a
1: lot of the agents that, um, you know, my mom and I always, always kind of, when they walk in, we kind of look at each other, like, oh. well,
0: right, well, what you, well, it's a respect, to me, it's respect, it's what, it's, it's how seriously you take the job that you're it's showing up right. for, don't, right? no, it's like, and it's kind of like, Don't be arrogant, but be a person of excellence and show up, especially when it's somebody's home. Even, you know, people say it's the most expensive investment, but sometimes it's not, but it's the most emotional investment.
1: Don't be arrogant, but be be confident, you know, Uh, and, and be professional. That's the other thing in this business. There's so many different people in this business that are getting into it now. And we just want them to be professional and, You know, it goes from the way you dress, the way you act, the service you provide. Just be a professional.
0: Mm. Last question. Mm -hmm. If everybody listening, even me, forget everything on this interview, but we just remember one thing from you today, what do you hope that that would be?
1: Oh, boy. Um, One thing from me today. Golly. Probably the...
0: the Oh, sorry. I don't know why it's doing it. Sorry guys. That was supposed to stop, but go ahead. What is the one thing?
1: I think know what you're selling, know your product, know, your know your neighborhood, know your community, know what you're selling. The that night-
0: is the hell of some good advice that needs to be taken a lot more. It's life changing. Just know what you sell
1: know what you're doing, know what you're selling. If you're unfamiliar with a community and there are spots in Jacksonville, it's spread out. I typically do 95% of my business here in Ponte Vedra Beach, but I do sell on the river in Jacksonville. There's some neighborhoods there I'm not familiar with. If I'm going to get a buyer that's interested in looking at these four five, $6 million houses in these neighborhoods that I'm not familiar with, although I was born and raised here, I'm going to go the day before, and I'm going to drive around for a few hours.
0: Yeah, familiar.
1: Where the Publix is, where the grocery store is, where the bank is, um, the other houses in the neighborhood. Just familiarize yourself with not just what's for sale out there, but familiarize yourself with the questions that they're going to ask and just know the area you're selling and know the neighborhood. A lot of times we get so many people that um, have no clue have absolutely no clue where anything is or the product they're showing or selling. And um yeah, I would say know your product.
0: I love that advice. That's the best. Yeah. Jack, Jack Floyd with Sotheby's International Realty won Sotheby's and Pana Thank you so much. It's so good to see you and thank you for sharing and thank you for being here. We can't wait. We're going to bring you and Michelle back on.
1: We will. We'll definitely, I'll get her, uh, I'll get her to come on soon. So it's hard, like I mentioned earlier with trying to be in two places at once.
0: Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. Powered by Breakthrough Luxury Coaching, this podcast was created for real estate agents across the world coming together, sharing ideas that take their businesses to the next level. Breakthrough Luxury Coaching and Membership provide luxury real estate agents tools and resources that win more business, increase volume and sales prices, and create results. To learn more, go to getstarted.breakthroughluxury.com.